Right on. So we're in this series called, If You're Not Ready, You're Perfect. Uh, we have this idea that's come to us by way of religion or maybe how you were raised in church that said, hey, you can't do anything or you can't be used by God or you can't be blessed by God. You can't have anything in like the kingdom of God unless you're perfect. You got to get everything in order before you can come to church. You got to get everything in order before you can be used by God. And it's just a lie that the enemy uses to try to keep us from fulfilling what God called us to do. It's like, oh, no, you can't be used. And that's not even how Jesus led. Uh, he came to earth. God came to earth as Jesus, and he walked among us, and he said to people who definitely weren't ready, hey, why don't you come with me? Follow me. We'll figure this out as we go. Because if you put God first in your life, everything else comes into order. So if our heart cry is, you know what, God first, I'm going to do what he's called me to do, uh, the rest of your behavior and the things that need to come in order, they just do. God can work with what you already got. Amen. I know that's not great English, but it works. God can work with what you already got. Amen? So we noticed this epidemic. We saw the data that says this. Never before in America have we been so blessed. The average size home is larger than it's ever been. The amount of cars we have, the technology they have, the space they have. We've had better, we have better cars than we've ever had. Uh, we have more channels. We have more ways of travel. We have more places to go, more songs, more movies. We have more access. We're, we've never been as blessed as we are now. But what's interesting, <coughs> excuse me, is statistically last year, uh, it was the highest amount of suicides America has ever seen. It was the highest amount of drug overdoses America has ever seen. And it's the amount of people checking into addiction recovery programs than ever before in, in America. So we're more, we've never been more blessed and equipped and taken care of. Yet, on the other hand, you've never had this amount of people saying, it's not working for me. I want out. I don't have the answer. Well, what's missing in the middle? Purpose. We're missing purpose. We're missing what it's all about. You have never been so blessed, never so taken care of, never so equipped, but yet a huge amount of people saying it isn't working. Well, what's not working? People can't figure out what it's for. The number one book in America uh, in, uh, in all-time sales, in a non-fiction book uh, in America is by Pastor Rick Warren. It's called The Purpose Driven Life. So that means the number one question Americans are asking is, what is this all about? What is my purpose? How am I supposed to live? Like, what, what does God want to do with me? Or why am I here? And I believe the scripture tells us a lot about why you're here. I believe when Jesus came and lived and the things that he modeled, it tells us a lot about the way you're supposed to live here on earth. Jesus even said, I came to give you life and give it to you better or more abundantly. And some of that is, is salvation. He's talking about salvation in eternity, but he's also talking about right now. Like, hey, I've come to show you the best way to live a purposeful life. Amen. So if we're taking a look at how Jesus modeled living then we would have to say that the way that Jesus came and showed us how to live was to live a life for others, right? For God so loved the world, he gave his son, and we know that his son gave his life for our sins. So the way to live is a life lived for others. Amen? Amen. And so we've been saying over the last couple of weeks uh, a couple of statements that we've used that are, are meaningful to us. One is this, we're called to be a fountain, not a drain. But society teaches you to live this way. You have I this and I that and customize everything for yourself. So it's saying be a drain. Make sure everything funnels and spins toward your benefit. Be a people that can draw everything unto you for your benefit. But God's way of living is no, no, no. Everything that you have, make sure you fountain that out to everyone else. 
Be the fountain. Make sure what you've been given gets to somebody else. We saw that with Abraham in the beginning of Scripture. He says, hey, you're blessed to be a blessing to others. Everything that you've been given is so that then you can give it. Amen? That's a purposeful life. That's the way God created you to live. We say it like this. We aren't meant to be consumers. We're called to be contributors. That's how God designed you, to be a person who doesn't just take, but somebody who gives and and makes the world a better place. If we pulled this room, who here wants to change the world? Who wants to make the world a better place? All of us, our hand is raised. Well, you do that by being a contributor, not a consumer. Amen? That's why the scripture says, it's better to give than receive. And we've all experienced that. Your most purposeful moments in your life are when Christmas, you gave to somebody or you, you did something significant for somebody. You feel the most alive. Why? Because you made an impact. You made a difference, right? It's better to give than it is to receive. John 15, uh, in the message version, 11 through 14, says this, I've told you these things for a purpose, that my joy might be your joy. So if you're ever really excited about something, you want somebody to know about it. That's what's happening here. It's like, oh, you got to get this because this is great. And I want to make sure you do this too. So it's saying, hey, I want you to know that my joy be your joy and that your joy be fully mature. This is my command. Love one another the way that I loved you. This is the very best way to love. Put your life on the line for your friends. You are my friends when you do the things that I have commanded you. So do you want to love the best way? Do you want to live the best kind of life? He's saying, here's how you do it. You do it the way Jesus did it. You put your life on the line for somebody else. You manage your calendar. You manage your schedule. You manage your bank account in a way that says, hey, I'm living this for the benefit of others. I'm giving my life to you. Amen? We said this a couple weeks ago. We said, when you become too big to serve, you become too small to lead. And that's a big trick that happens to Christians is the more we walk with God, the more we spend time in church, the more we grow as Christians, we say, oh, I've arrived. I've got to this point. I'm high spiritual. I've got to this thing. And so you stop serving because you think that you've arrived and you don't live a life for others anymore. And you get to this thing of this is what I am. And then you're no longer serving, which means you've then forfeited leading. And so you don't have influence anymore. Because you've done, I'm here to serve me, and, then, and that's what happens, and that's where we lose influence. Amen? Because God said the best way to love, the best way to live, is when you give your life to somebody else. And so for us, what's interesting is we look at the, the, the call of God on our life. We say, oh, God, I want to follow you. I want to serve you. I want to be used by you. I want to change the world. And we start saying yes to the call that God has, and we start living righteously and faithfully to him. And then what we expect is convenience well, God, I'm serving you and everything should be roses and daisies and everything should be great. And, and so the, we think when we walk with God, that means everything's convenient and perfect and it's heaven on earth. But much of that is not true. What you see in scripture, and we're going to actually take a look at a couple stories, but uh, if you're not ready, you're perfect. So we think, well, when I'm perfect, God will use me and the will of God is going to look so great and it's going to be so easy and so convenient and so perfect. God's like, no, I'm actually going to use you when you're not ready. (laughs) And it might be a little bit bumpy, but with me, we'll make it. Amen. And we get duped that like walking with God is going to be perfect. It's going to be a home run. It's going to be a 10 out of 10 every time. But no, 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 I'm going to use you when you're not ready. But trust me, you're perfect and it's going to work out okay. And so I don't really have a sermon. The rest of my time isn't really going to be like, hey, I want you to hear this sermon. Uh, I actually want you to ponder these ideas. 
So these next couple things I'm going to give you, I want you to take the story of it and the meaning of it, and then I want you to just ponder it. So ponder these ideas going forward, but uh, I want to read to you the story of Noah. And there's something that I took from here that's very different than the way we've seen Christianity or we see being used by God. So uh, I didn't give the tech team these scriptures because I skipped some parts and I leave out when they say all the names of the sons and what kind of shoes they wore and all that. I skipped that part because I really just want to tell you this story. So Genesis chapter six, verse nine, I'm going to read it to you. And it says, Noah was a righteous man, right standing with God, blameless among the people of his time. And he walked faithfully with God. I mean, that's our aim, right? a righteous person who had a good reputation with people in his community, and it said he was faithful to God. That's what we're aiming for. That's what we're set out to do. So if anyone's in position to be promoted by God and used by God and elevated by God, it's Noah right here. So let's see what the reward is of living this way. So he was righteous, faithful. He had good reputation. Let's see what the reward is of living that way. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all the people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. Make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. So God comes to Noah who was living righteously, perfectly, influenced, faithfully. He's got it all together. God says, hey, I'm going to destroy the earth, and uh, I want to use you. And so you're like, this is going to be awesome. You know, he's going to like maybe bring like a glory cloud down, and I'm going to ride on that above the flood, and, you know, it's going to be awesome, and I'm going to get like a... And then he starts to go into, I'm going to flood this place, and now I need you to start building something for me. (laughs) And so he says, make yourself this thing. And cover it, and he says, the ark is to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high, which is a football field and a half in length. And then it says, make a roof for it, leaving below the roof an opening one cubit high all around. Put a door in the side of the ark and make it lower, middle, and upper decks. So not just build a boat that will somewhat sink or float, might sink. We don't, he didn't know. <laughs> But it has to have decks to it and tiers to it. And so there has to be a lot of like idea behind it. Not just put some things together that might float along. It needs to have incredible effort and inconvenience put into it. Are you with me? And so he says, hey, here's how you do it. And you do this. And then he says, "Uh, I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth, destroy all life under heavens, every creature that has the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish, but I will establish my covenant with you and you will enter the ark and your sons and your wife and your son's wives with you. This is where it gets even better because you're so blessed and you're so faithful and you've been so righteous. Now you got to build this ark. The reward of it is you build this ark uh, and you also get to bring two of every living creature, male and female, and you are to keep them alive with you. Now, if you've ever had animals or you've ever tried to have exotic animals, even like a fish tank where you got to keep pH levels and certain reptiles need like humidity levels and they eat certain things and they can't be in this certain way and around this certain thing. How many of you know this just became like massively inconvenient for him? The reward of walking righteously and faithfully with God just became a huge inconvenience. Build a boat, 
put all the animals on it, and it says, keep them alive. Because <laughs> that would have been me. It's just get them on the boat, and then we don't care. Just close the door. <laughs> we did what he said. <laughs> you know, they're his animals. It's his job to keep them alive. Nope. And he said, hey, make sure you keep them alive. Because Noah's like us. We would have let him die. <laughs> Two of every kind of bird, every kind of animal, every kind of creature that moves along the ground, you are to keep alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away for them. So that's the other thing. It's not like, hey, just get a bunch of hay and throw it in there. It was like all of these different things for the different needs. He had to inconvenience himself to keep great detail. Now, it's not like he could run up to VI Pets and be like, all right, what do I do with this one? What do I do with this one? It's not like you could jump on Google either and, okay, Google, YouTube, how do I build a three-tier arc, you know, and then just follow the step-by-step like all of us do now when we work on things. None of it was there. A life completely devoted to the call of God, the will of God for that season of his life. And so walking in obedience for him, so this is good for you to write down. This is what I want you to know. Walking in obedience for him was very inconvenient. He was found faithful and righteous, and he had his life completely put together. And then God called him into a huge life of inconvenience. Do you know that being in the will of God and walking in the things that God has called you to do, you may have everything put together, you may have it all the way God told you to, but he still calls you into seasons of inconveniences. Amen. Where you just got to remain faithful and trust his process. And so it says this in verse 22, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. And the Lord said to Noah, go into the ark and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. Again, found faithful, found righteous. The blessing of God is on you, yet you look at all the work around you. I'm telling you in your life, when you say yes to your purpose and you say yes to your call and you say yes to what God wants to do in your life, he's saying, I'm blessing you. I found favor in you, but I still got a whole bunch of convenience, inconveniences I'm going to do in you. Right? And we, we love to say it the other way. No, blessing means I'm just free living and I can do what I want for myself and blessing for my family. No, the best kind of life is a life lived down for, uh, lived for others and living for others is very inconvenient. Amen? So check this out. It says that they get on the boat. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights. It says that Moses built the ark at age 500. And it says that when he turned 600 is when the rains came. So it took him 100 years to build this thing. The scripture says that there was 150 days of flooding. So 40 days, 40 nights of rain, but for 150 days, they were still flood water, which if you want to get real nasty about it, floating happening outside the boat, smell, decay, corpse, like that, plus being trapped in the boat with all the animals and your family. Amen? And so they're in there. So they're floating for 150 days, floating. And it wasn't a cruise ship. They're floating in this boat. And so remembering, he's walking around, hey, hey Noah, what are you doing? Uh, well, I'm building this boat, you know, because God's found me righteous, and he's got, I got favor on my life, and, and so I'm building this boat. And so people are walking by like, oh, really? The hand of God is on your life, and you're building this boat for what? For a flood. For a what? For a flood. A what? Because that was something unseen. They didn't know. Well, yeah, it's going to flood because it's going to rain. It's going to what? It's going to rain. I know that it's going to rain. God told me it's going to rain. It's going to what? How many times has that happened to you? God calls you to something. He tells you to do something. And people come in and out of your life. They're like, why are you serving at that church so much? Why are you a part of that ministry? Why are you giving your life to that? Well, because God told me that he told me to do this. And, do this. and they said, for what? For what? For what? It's the same thing that happens to us. And we just got to remain steady. We got to stay at it. Amen? 
And so they're floating, and I'm sure in the boat, they're floating, and animals, and all the stuff, and they're just saying, in the boat, when can we get out? When are we out of Are you sure that we found favor with God? Because it seems like we're really trapped right now. Same thing in your ministry, same thing in your life. You're sitting here going, are we sure we're in the favor of God? Because I feel really trapped. I feel really confined. And that happens to many ministries. They get a call of God, a word from God, and they step out in it, and they get out in it in the middle of it. They go, oh, I'm so confined, and they jump out. And they abort the mission that God has for them. We need to be a people that know our life is laid down for others. I'm sticking through with what God called me to. Amen? So it says, on the 17th day of the seventh month after the flood, so 17th day of the seventh month, the ark rested finally on a mountain. It hit a mountain. But from there, it was just stuck. It said, in the 10th month, the mountaintop finally showed land. So now they're 10 months in this thing. And it says, after 40 days from there, they were finally able that they opened a window and the raven came. Uh, And of course, the story goes on. Favor was shown and God was pleased. And the scripture says uh, that they got out and that the first thing that they did when they got out on land was they built an altar and they worshiped. What? God called you, spoke to them. You spent a huge season of inconvenience. And when you finally get through the inconvenience, you come out of that, not with attitude, but with a heart of worship. That's insane. We don't do that, do we? God calls, he speaks, we build, we follow him, we get in the middle of it, we get mad about it. As soon as we get out of it, we're angry, we're irritated. Well, that church did this. Well, that pastor did this. Well, they didn't do that for me. Amen? And no, it's like, no, right, he got out of it. And he said, God, you spoke to me, you called me to this, you've delivered, and he worshiped immediately. Amen? So the reward for a hundred years, the reward for being at the center of God's will was a hundred years hard labor, animal care and confinement. Sometimes that feels like ministry. Amen? And so I wrote these down because it's just something we need to keep. This is what we're pondering. This idea of you can be blessed by God and feel extremely inconvenienced. Right? We get it so backwards of like, nope, the only way I know God is blessing me is if I have easy street. But no, a lot of times when you're walking in the will of God, which we'll look at a couple more scriptures, there's a lot being asked in that process. Amen? Uh, I wrote this down like this. Sometimes the will of God is annoying, right? Sometimes being in the will of God is annoying to us as Americans, to us. That's why the scripture says those who lay down their life will find it. Those who try to keep it will lose it. It's when we live in this like, no, I got to keep it all easy. I got to keep it all perfect. No, but those that lay down will find it because sometimes it feels like the will of God can be annoying. Sometimes the call of God can be complicated, We all want it to be this altar call where God speaks and we leave full of power and revelation and easy street. But a lot of times when God calls you to something, it's something complicated. Amen? Being used by God is inconvenient. That's just the truth. It's inconvenient to our flesh, but it's it's the most rewarding. It's the most purposeful. It's amazing when you're in it. Amen? I know there was inconveniences. I know that there was a whole, and they were confined and they were stuck, but they also got to look out and see where God saved their family, where God saved their community. I believe it about us that there's going to be seasons where God calls you to something and puts you in something, and all of a sudden you feel confined in it and stuck in it, but then you're going to remember, no, God God is saving us through this. I'm in this season, but in this season, God's saving me through this thing. Amen? So God doesn't accept, I'm not ready. I just kind of want to finish in this idea on this series. God doesn't accept I'm not ready. 
Noah built a boat for rain that didn't exist. David did not have armor or a sword. So David to go face Goliath was not ready. The experts, the sideline commentators would have said about his size and his understanding of war, they would have said, that dude's definitely not ready. He's not our guy. He didn't even have right-sized armor. He didn't even have what he had. But God said, what you do have is good enough. And so he took what he had, trusted God with it, and God did what he needed to do. And it's the same thing about our lives. You may sit here and say, I don't feel ready. It's not the right time. I don't have what I need. But God says, what you have is enough for me to do what I need to do. Amen? All throughout scripture. So you see Esther. The scripture says Esther was trying to save all the Jews. She was trying to save her people. And the scripture says that if you went into the king and you didn't have authority, you didn't have proper access, you, weren't, you would be killed. And so the scripture says that God's word to her was to prepare herself. She fasted. She, she did some things spiritually to be ready to go into the king and ask for favor for her people. But she didn't have access. She didn't have the privilege. She shouldn't have been in there. And the scripture says if the king didn't hold up the scepter when you came around the room, you were to be killed. And she says, if I perish, I perish, but I'm going with what God told me to do. What is she saying? She's saying, I'm not ready. <laughs> I don't have what I need for this, but I know God called me to do it, and I'm going to go take a stand in there anyway. And the scripture says when she trusted God and she moved out, even though she wasn't ready, didn't have what she needed, the scripture says already when she came around the corner, he held up his scepter and said, whatever you want to the half of my kingdom is yours. Why? Because it's not about you being ready. It's about you serving a perfect God. Amen? Scripture says Mary was a virgin. Angel comes and says, hey, through you, uh, the Savior of the world is going to be born. And she's like, well, we're missing a few details. <laughs> I'm not pregnant. I don't have, I'm not married. I don't have this. Well, I know you're not ready, but you're perfect because God has chosen you. I'm here to tell you today, you may not be ready. You may not have everything in your life put together the way that you think, but God is here saying, I'm ready to use you. I'm ready to make a difference through you. We see Jonathan and his armor bearer. They had to split armor. 250,000 people, they're called to defeat God speaks to them. I love their response. They say, hey, what do you think about defeating the 250,000? They say, well, I don't know. It may be that God would work for us. He literally uses the word maybe. I don't know. It may, it may be. It might work. <laughs> well, let's share this armor and try. And so God speaks to them. They move out in it, and they defeat 250,000 people because they weren't ready, but they gave all that they had to God, and he made it perfect. I'm saying as a church, as a community, if we can give everything that we have, whatever you have in your life, if you wholly give that to God, he'll make it perfect. So there's a couple ways that we can do it. Uh, I think we see, uh, I'll close with this, with this story in Matthew 14. Uh, we see a temptation that happens to us. This is another thing to ponder. Is what happens is the disciples, they're going out on a boat and Jesus goes away to pray. And they had just seen miracles, moves of God, all these great things happen. And they get on the boat and the scripture says that the storm comes, the rain comes, the wind comes, and it's throwing the boat all around and the disciples are scared. So they have all these inconveniences and concerns in their life. They're sitting here with like, we got the wind, we got the wave, we got the thing, are we taking on water, what's happening? And then it says that Jesus walked up to them and it says they, they got even more afraid and were concerned that he was a ghost. So what I'm trying to say is they were so focused on the chaos, the stuff that's happening around them, all the inconveniences in their life that they missed the thing that was actually there to save them. The thing that was there to bring them purpose and bring them hope and bring them the answer. I wonder if about our lives, we get so concerned with the inconveniences and all that's going on in life and all this stuff and all this that you're trying to balance and all the stuff that you're trying to handle. 
and God keeps walking up to us and we keep missing our savior because our eyes are on all the inconveniences. What if we just lived our life in a way that said, no, no matter what, God first. Yeah, I'm not ready. I got this thing that's dealing with. I got this inconvenience over here. I got all this stuff. But if I put my eyes on the savior, I can walk on the water in this. Amen. It's, it's, what, it's what God's heart is for us. I know you're not ready, but with me, you're perfect. You can miss God because you're too focused on the call of the chaos than you are the call of your Savior. God's calling you to make a difference. He's calling you to be a fountain. He's calling you to be somebody who makes a difference. Don't live your life surrender to the chaos in life. I said this uh, last week. Here's where we are as a church, and here's where the church is in our nation and in our world. We love to say this, uh, God, I would say it like this as a parent. Uh, If my wife and I decided uh, that it's what worked for our family, uh, it's what we feel comfortable with, because that's what we say in church. This is what works good for my family. This is what I'm comfortable giving. Uh, These are my boundaries. This is what I feel. Uh, If we said that about brushing our kids' teeth, we feel comfortable uh, only brushing the kids' teeth just three days a week, only at night. That's all we're going to give it. We've just decided that's what works for our family. That's what conveniences us. That's what we feel uh, called to do. How many of you know that the decay would still carry on? It would still win, and the erosion would still go further, even though I've decided this is what conveniences me. This is all I'm willing to give. That's what the church in America has done. Darkness is advancing. Structures, parties, systems are all making their decaying advancements. And too many Christians are saying, um, we're just comfortable serving and contributing and participating in the body of Christ. Just, Just this much. It's what works for us. And darkness still wins and darkness still wins and takes more ground and takes more ground. Here's what's the truth. The truth is the need determines the response. The need of brushing your teeth determines how frequently we do it. The need in our communities determines how we as the body should respond and engage. So to say, well, it works for me to just do this. And it's what we got to find our best. We got to arrange our lives in a way that God goes first. Well, you know, it's important that I have a hobby and, you know, I got everyone needs a hobby. So my expenses go to that and everyone needs vacation. So, you know, expense go to that and time goes to this and time goes to that. And my words go to this person and go. And at the end of it, you've left nothing else for putting God first because truthfully, it all went to something else first. The need determines our response. Amen. And so for us as a church, we are saying, what is it in our lives that we can do? What is the way that we can see a need? Like, how do you change the world? You see a need and you heal it. You see a hurt, you heal it. You see a need, you fix it. You see a problem and you be the solution. Amen. And so that's how we want to live as a church. That's how we want to live as a community. And so we're always saying, hey, you know what? What's great is we don't got to be perfect. We don't got to get it all together. We just got to surrender our imperfect life, our imperfect stuff to a God who's going to help us make it perfect. So I really want to encourage you to participate in that with us. Find your purpose. God gave you a gift and and use that gift in the body of Christ. And so you'll notice on your seat that we gave you these cards and um, we need more help around here. Uh, I would say it like this. 
we always need more help because we're always dreaming. We're always trying to take more ground. We're always trying to run out evil in our community. Amen. So we're always going to have a card for you to sign. <laughs> uh, but here's the deal. Uh, help us build a boat. Help us build an ark that will that will people can run into and they can be saved from the flood. Amen. So on your seat, you'll notice here, uh, and you can put that slide up of our, of our uh, table. When we dismiss, you're gonna have the opportunity to go down the hallway and turn this card in. Uh, we're gonna have a team back there with a serve table and they got some things back there and they can give you more details about how you can get plugged in. But do you wanna find your purpose? Do you wanna find your meaning? I'm saying get in and get plugged in and start contributing to the body of Christ and give your life for others. The way God called us to. For God so loved the world he gave and then that person gave his life for us. Why? Because that's God's cycle of purpose is giving, giving, giving of ourselves. Amen. It's better to give than receive. So what ways can we give more? Can we maybe make our schedule a little bit more available to serve more? What can we do? We have needs. We need to add some more classrooms in the church, but we don't quite have the staff for that yet. So we're kind of pinned. There's areas that we need to do more and staff more so we could use some more help. And let me tell you this, God's found you favor. He's found you righteous. He's found you faithful. And uh, he's asking you to jump in. And it might feel inconvenient. It might not be easy street, but I promise you it's extremely meaningful. You're going you're gonna to finally get out of that thing and you're going you're gonna to find yourself worshiping God. I'm so grateful that you saved my family, that you helped me transform a community. Amen. So there's a whole bunch of things on here I actually want to explain to you in our last couple minutes. Set up and tear down. Uh, those are some people that come in and put all these things together and set out chairs. And what do they do? They're building an atmosphere for people to come in and be saved by the flood. Amen. So maybe the setup team works for you. It's a great way to plug in and get to meet people, discover your purpose. The tech team, they put up, you know, the graphics and the lights and those kinds of things. All, it's a great way if you know ProPresenter or if you know PowerPoint or just simple systems like that where you can kind of go through. Uh, they'll get you trained. They'll get you equipped. If you understand computers, uh, we love it. Uh, it's, it's Apple product because we believe in the glory of God. So if you're a PC person, we have a deliverance class for you. Then you can get on the team. But the tech team's awesome. Our coffee bar, same thing. Just coffee creates an atmosphere of comfort. People can come in and get, it, and get to know each other and talk and have a coffee and get to bond and connect and grow. And so the coffee bar is awesome. Greeting, ushering, security. You know, those are all ways that we just support the house of God here. The worship team, the kids ministry check-in, elementary, all those areas. What a privilege you have to tell the story of Jesus to the, for, for the, to the kids for the first time in their life. I mean, they're blank pages up there that you get to start tell them about the things of God. That's an honor. It's not, oh, oh, those kids, we better go take care of the kids. That's not babysitting. That's ministry. That's an honor. That's a high privilege that I believe when you get to heaven, God is gonna say, thank you. The scripture says, if you even give a child a cup of cold water, that he'll remember you in heaven, that he makes account of that. Well, we give the kids Red Bull, so that's gonna be a high blessing. <laughs> So get in the kids ministry team and serve often because God's paying attention. So twos, threes, babies, student ministries, all the different things we offer. Let's get after it because it's every day that we experience somebody in crisis right here in West Michigan. Do you know in our rescue mission, people sit up, sleep on the floor because we don't have enough beds to meet the needs of people who have strong need? Do you know that his harvest stand and our outreach center, do you know that we feed 170 families in our community right here in Zealand who don't have enough food on the weekend? 
I'm not talking about Chicago, New York City, Los Angeles. I'm talking about Zeeland, Holland. The need determines the response. And I'm just saying, let's step up a little bit, even though it's maybe inconvenient, maybe kind of, right? But let's not miss the Savior because we're too busy focusing on the chaos. Amen?